So we have not been on Apple TV since the end of March. Uh, episode six was the last time we watched something on Apple TV. So we make a return here. Episodes oh of um, what was it? Shrinking, Shrinking. Yeah. was the last thing we watched on Apple TV. So it's been a while. Apple TV is kind of the place, the place to be at the minute. I think like there's a lot popping up on Apple TV that's like TV series and stuff that are completely original. I, and and I think they look interesting. Yeah, but I but but I think some of it lacks a, a lot of quality. Okay. Um, I I think that a lot of the stuff's middle of the ground. Like we've watched Shrinking, which was okay. We watched Sharper, that was mm, okay. okay. Yeah, I, I don't know. I didn't. I, I still take okay. I still take the sort of like middle of the road, but a brand new story, like an interesting experience over something that I sort of you know I know what I'm in for before I've even sat down. Yeah. Yeah. I'd rather be disappointed, would I? <laughs> I think I'd rather be disappointed than not even want to watch it in the first place. Yeah, okay. Okay, well then Silo, that was relatively original. You know, concepts such as Silo have been explored before, but what, mm. are your, what were your original thoughts on this take? Well, I mean, I really like, um, I really like it because it uses that to the device of the locked room, you know, the cellar door thing. Like, it gives its audience an unknown. Which is obviously the outside world and and the motivations of the um is it the judis judiciary? I can't say that. Judicial. Word. Judicial. Judi- <laughs> can't say that either. <laughs> That's gonna be fun. But yeah, the uh, like the government sort of force in the silo. You don't understand their motives or their motivations for keeping everybody in. So there's this, you know, the outside world is the unknown, and I think that's usually like irresistible to an audience, whereas to me anyway, just introducing like. Uh, a concept within the story space or within the world of the story that the characters just do not understand and neither do you as the audience and the promise of revealing that is what keeps you watching so like all the mistakes that Silo made along the way I was hooked you know like I can look past a lot I can forgive it for well maybe not forgive it for but I like I just sort of stick stick with it through things that would have pushed me away from other shows because it has that promise of like we're going to give you something at the end like there's something that you don't know and that keeps me intrigued and keeps me locked in I think that's a brave thing to do like to to introduce an unknown and actually reveal what it is Mm. if that makes sense so yeah a lot of time for for, uh, Silo for that okay well I I mean this is going to be a roles reversed uh, podcast it seems because Despite the credit you can give Silo for that, I, I still felt at, at the end of the series um, extremely disappointed and still quite confused as to what I was actually, you know, witnessing. I, I agree. You got Juliet Nichols, who <clears throat> I think, based on the very start of the season, we all knew it was safe outside. And yeah, I, I like I because because you know it was so it was so. So, so you understood that someone was hiding the truth from the people in the silo. Like, I, I felt like it was a little bit too... In the end, to me, with that reveal in the last episode, it felt like all this slow, slow build that I had to put up with. And Didn't the story kind of just exactly played out as I thought it would. With yeah, the, with the slight, With the slight change being... It, it's not quite as nice as 
it looks when it, when it's <laughs> yeah. first revealed. Yeah, the outside world isn't quite as pretty as, as we expected. Yeah. But there's still a city in the horizon. Yeah. And there's promise in the horizon. It just looks a little bit crap. So it ends with Juliet Nichols actually leaving the silo, um, despite not saying that she wants to, but she's forced into essentially saying that she wants to, and she leaves. And there's some kind of twist around the heat tape, which I didn't really follow. I don't, I don't know if we were meant to. <clears throat> so my theory around um, why people um, died yeah. when they went outside was I, from episode one, thought they're putting stuff in the suit. Yeah, so did I. But now, as we're discussing it on air, I actually think, because there's a conversation towards the end with, with Walk and someone in supply around why um, judicial or, or why the people that were preparing the suits never ordered a specific type of tape. Yeah. So what it seems to me has happened is the tape has been switched around yeah. and actually the tape used for Juliet Nichols is actually more is better sealed so actually maybe the atmosphere oh, is, is unsafe see. see I read that as the as like the, the reverse of that I thought that the tape that they the um, supply had given to Judicial was like not heat tape or some, some sort of something and was actually not sealed so it let the poison that they were putting in the suit out ah uh. But I suppose it, whether it she's, doesn't matter it doesn't either matter. way. Yeah, whether, whether, whether she's being poisoned from the outside world or from within the suit doesn't matter. The point is, there's some kind of supply mess with the tape to keep her alive, mm. or walk speaks to supply so that they'll do that. Uh, so Juliet Nichols survives going outside when it, where everyone else has died in the poison, yeah. presumably. What's strange though is that there's a kind of there's a, there is a twist in the display being a lie. Because inside the silo, of course, they have the TV screen, they have these big TV screens that, you know, kind of display a permanent shot of the outside landscape and the bodies of the people that have previously attempted to leave the silo. Um, and then you kind of get, obviously, the whole season is about Juliet and and the other, the other characters trying to, you know, passing relics and finding evidence that the outside world isn't what it appears to be on the screen. And they come up with this line like, the display is a lie. And Juliet sets out to disprove, or yeah, prove that, prove that it's a lie. But the twist is that when she does eventually leave in the final episode, her vi like the vision that she has through her helmet is the lie. She goes outside, it's not what it looks like on the screen is beautiful there's birds there's trees and flowers and all of that and then the display in the helmet flickers and it goes away and it's like a wasteland yeah well the bit the bit I still don't understand there is what was the relevance of the sheriff's badge breaking up the matrix she took the badge out of her pocket and as she placed it down on a rock where I think the bodies of previous mm, the sheriff and his wife the sheriff and his wife were it, it kind of glitched that's it that's what I'm looking for it glitched well, I think and I didn't really I still didn't really understand what that was supposed to mean was that did that then check, break her visor I th I don't know why the visor broke that really wasn't explained but I well maybe I'm getting this wrong but I thought she just used it like as a tool to get some purchase on the ground and like prove that what she was touching wasn't what she was seeing because obviously she's got these like massive mm. gloves on so you probably wouldn't be able to tell or whatever 
and so she put it on the rock and or, or in the grass or and obviously it doesn't react like grass does mm. proving that that's what that's yeah. I, interpret. I and, honestly don't but the reason <laughs> I thought there was a matrix or some field of, of you know that was maybe an electric field or something that was like shocking them as they walked out was because when she walked stepped and, and like shook like something had hit her uh. And then she fell to her knees. I think, yeah, it's, it's pretty safe to say that, like, this didn't really give us that many answers in the end. Um, we don't, we still don't really know what's going on. Like, the twist uh, of the display not actually being a lie um, was quite cool. I liked how that was foreshadowed in that every time you saw, you know, like, the relics or the, 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 pa- the clips of video footage or whatever of the outside world, or any, every time we saw it through another character's eyes, like when we see it when the um, sheriff's wife, Alison, um, goes outside and you see it through her eyes like every time you see the re- in inverted commas like the real outside mm. the same the birds fly over in exactly the same way from the same angle there's the same amount of them you know all that so that really foreshadowed nicely that wait I mean it kind of tells you early on that that is the simulation you know not the which I thought was quite cool I, I think that I think what explains that is the fact that there's the clean thing where no yeah of course so the point is that they're giving they the, think the, it looks good yeah yeah so yeah they're, they're feeding them that, that, that vision so the people every time they go, they go out they always clean because they try and clean the camera so everyone can, everyone can see what they're seeing but what they're seeing is, this, is the it's illusion the reality is the, is the illusion and what the people inside are seeing is that it's, the, <laughs> yeah. it's convoluted but it's uh, it's actually a lot more simple than I think we're making it sound so my opinion on Silo was that, you know, we, we've touched on the fact that the end didn't really give as many answers. I think, and I, I, I usually feel like I gauge when I'm watching a show, I feel the right way about the show. <laughs> <laughs> and I felt that it was slow, quite boring. I think they actually dropped the storyline midway through the season. It, you know, I, I understand that George's death was linked to, um, you know, the actual reveal at the end of the story, and and you know he had discovered the truth, and it was so important to discover who killed him, but but I felt like it it made the story go on a wild goose chase in loads of different directions, and not and I didn't think it was that solid in the end, and and that's how I feel about the show. It, it was not solid at all it was it was quite boring and it was quite confused in itself which I, made me I disagree confused. I don't think it was um, I, don't, I don't think there was any wild goose chase in it I think everything was everything fell together really nicely and it had a it had a maintained focus throughout um, there are things that I would have taken out there's definitely like don't get me wrong I mean I'm I'm disagreeing but I've got a lot of negative stuff to say too um, but I wouldn't go for the the story or the plot at all because I think that went that came together really nicely and was consistently focused and moving in one direction and like the way that George fitted into everything and his discoveries and his death and how his death influenced Nichols and Sheriff Holston and set everybody off on their so their own quest for truth and to pick up where he left off like that was that was really really tight it was really cleverly done and fitted in really nicely um, we definitely have to agree to disagree on that one. I just felt like, did you did you find it boring? Yeah, well, 
I don't think it needed to be 10 episodes. Or rather, if it's going to be 10 episodes, if it's going to be the length that it is, it could have used its time better at points. Um, so I, I suppose, like, I'm really hesitantly saying, yeah, I did find it boring. Like, it's not that I was bored while watching it or anything. I just, there was, the pacing was a bit strange. Um, it did sort of like, I know what you mean. I don't think it like lost focus or went off on a tangent in the middle, but I think the middle of, the, of a story is always the hardest bit to write, but it does sort of dip in terms of pace. Yeah. You got the beginning with uh, Sheriff Holston and Alison um, going outside. They set up like the the concept of the unknown, the outside being not what you think it is. And, you know, the, the entire mystery like set up pretty well with them. And then you have the introduction of Sheriff Nichols, well, Nichols becoming the sheriff and whatever, her character. And then it sort of, she goes, sets off, you know, trying to find out who killed George and why. And then it just kind of like, it does fall a bit flat for a big stretch in the middle. And then obviously at the end again, when you've got the reveal that, yeah, certain characters aren't who they seem and all that kind of thing. And it actually, you, once you start to get answers and there's a conclusion, it gets really exciting and fast paced again. So I know what you mean, there's a bit of a dip in the middle, but it's, I think you could have spent the time of 10 hours better. So Silo is self described as a sci fi dystopian thriller. Mm. Um, and I know you wanted to talk a little bit about dystopia and stories that hang the hat on dystopia well I was going to ask you do you think what do you think the place of the dystopia is now in modern writing do you think we should do you think there's still a place for it do you think we should still be writing dystopian fiction or utopian or whatever I um, from a personal point of view I, I always find them like incredibly usually incredibly engaging actually mm. um so and and the reason behind that is it's you know it's it's you know it's great oppression or it's you know an absolute catastrophe and societies need to are in you know abject poverty and things need to rebuild and stuff like that and and i always find that there's there's really good ways to explore human development in those types of stories so so i would always be a fan of them but um we've had 1984 we've had Handmaid's Tale I mean I could um, there's two yeah yeah, there's there's thousands so I'm thinking like well what Silo reminded me of really really strongly was um, Snowpiercer have you ever seen that? there's a movie and a TV series I've seen I think I've seen Snowpiercer one of them maybe the movie yeah, probably the movie yeah, that one I think what's the there. plot again? well so it's, it's really similar to Silo in that it's like a post-apocalypse situation like all of humanity is aboard a train yeah <laughs> and the train's just doing a lap of the um, lap of the globe essentially the globe's like frozen or something I don't know and, and they're all stuck on the train and like depending on which compartment which what part of the train you're in like dictates your class so at the front you got the you know well the, the engineers and the people driving the train is what are, are at the very front but obviously like in the first classes and stuff you've got the top end of society and at the end at the back of the tail end of the train you got people that didn't even get a ticket before the world ended and they just like jumped on during the apocalypse or whatever and so they're living at the back in poverty or well worse than poverty um and they're trying to survive and the movie is chris evans 
leading an uprising from the tail of the train all the way to the edge of the room. <laughs> it's just kind of like an action thriller. But there's that dystopian like undertone of... Well, it's not even an undertone. It's <laughs> overtly like a dystopian fiction. But they're, you know, trying to discover why the train is, desi- is designed like it is and what happened to the world and whether they can get off the train and start again and all that kind of thing. That, like, bigger questions are explored through the sort of... Um, through the angle of, like, <laughs> a class uprising. Do you know what I mean? Like mm. a working class uprising, I'm saying. There's a TV series as well um, that has... Um, playing uh, the protagonist, and it's it's awful, to be honest. The movie's got Chris, um, Chris Evans in it, and it's directed by... Bong Joon-ho, who did Parasite. Which I love. Which was obviously really good. Yeah, a lot better. <laughs> but it's, it's interesting because there are actually parallels between those two, between Snowpiercer and um, and Parasite. There's the same kind of like uh, examination of class mm, and, yes. and people living in like of different classes and of different positions in society living very in like very close proximities. And yeah. The same kind of, there's the, the cellar guy and the, the upstairs, downstairs thing versus tail of the train front of the train like there's there's parallels I think mm. despite other than that being very different movies so obviously you're saying we've you know we've seen it time and time again and does that mean you think it's been overdone well yeah that's kind of what I'm I'm insinuating but I actually don't think that that's not my opinion I was just I guess I was just asking you if like I wonder if it's been overdone poorly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. Because, 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 actually, funnily enough, I, I almost think you don't need. Because there's enough pain and suffering in a dystopian universe, great universe, you could probably just focus on a very small part of that. Yeah. You know, a very small part of someone's experiences in that world. Well, I think most dystopian fiction tells a story of a sort of, of a society and of a. A, a universe or a space that, like much larger than a character through one character's eyes. That's what Handmaid's Tale does, and uh, Nine Eight Four does, and yeah. And I guess in that sense, a writer focuses on a small part of a world or a small individual within the world, and through their story, explains the functionings of an entire society and like the problems and the pitfalls. A lot of the time, it's obviously framed as a utopia by the time you enter the uh, enter the story and for at least a, a short period of time you think this is an ideal situation mm. but of course there's no such thing as a utopia they're all dystopias in disguise and yeah. then you, you realise the, the dark undertones or the reality of the situation or whatever's going on that shouldn't be and it's usually where the mystery lies so, what, so what's funny then is that I don't think Silo gave you any opportunity to think it was a utopia. Yeah, that's definitely true. Because, I mean, from, because from the, the very... concept of living in a silo underground is pretty horrific, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, but like, for, from the very outset, there was someone raising the eyebrow to say, this isn't right. And then them being sent out to... Clean. To clean. To prove that, you know, they were wrong and it wasn't safe. And maybe I don't know. Like so, so from my from the very start, I didn't feel like it was the right pl- place to be. Like I felt like it was all wrong from the very get go. 
Yeah, this is an example of a dystopia that's not a utopia in disguise. It's it starts with people in a in a like pretty dire situation. Well, you know, not immediately, but like it starts with a society living in a silo underground, which is obviously a less than ideal situation. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it functions really well. Like the, the place functions, everyone's got their role. Like they're all working for the good of the silo and to keep it to keep everything, you know taken along and all that but from very early on people are like they're aware that there's not yeah what I thought was really clever actually a decision they made that was really clever was the time period from the rebellion being 140 years because it's the time like you know the last time that anyone actually tried to get out in a serious like an, an organisation a group of people actually got organised and tried to get out of the silo it was 140 years ago so and that in doing that wiped somehow wiped all like history and me- and recorded knowledge of humanity before that point I don't know I really understand how that worked but we were asked to buy that um, of course it's not actually true though that's just what the uh, the judicial are trying to say mm. they've actually destroyed all of the relics from the previous world because they don't want anyone to know what the outside world is like or what history was like uh, and I thought it was it was clever my point is that it was clever that it was only 140 years because it's like just the right amount of time for nobody alive to know but like recent enough for it to not work do you know what I mean yeah. it's not like the society's still kind so like, of like oh, it's been such a long time let's yeah. go for it again yeah it was like it was like everybody was even though of course they were born in the silo it felt like everyone was new to it mm. which was really clever like it that I, I think that like set a tone of like unease everyone's like look I, I understand my situation but I don't all the way buy it yeah like, there's something wrong like everyone kind of knew it which I thought was yeah I think that was interesting I think they did that quite well oh, obviously there, there was something that piqued my interest at, at the end and it was the fact that clearly there was about a hundred silos yeah of course that's the reveal isn't it that there's not the silo, like she comes out of silo and the camera pans up and there's there's the entrance to tons more. Yeah. So it's it's not just ten thousand people or however many people in a silo. It's potentially all of yeah, right like, next to each other. Yeah. Um, which is which is, you know, quite unsettling and and, you know, provides a good basis for you know for a second you could go to a, you could retell a story in a completely different yeah, silo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which which may be actually quite interesting and and maybe there isn't an uprising. Maybe there's a completely different story within. I probably don't think it's going to go that direction, but mm. um, you, you know that was interesting when when it pat when the camera panned up and she was walking alone, you know towards the city. She probably isn't going to go to the city, and and there is just so many <coughs> um, craters, yeah. you know, and, and side entrances that kind of get gave a little bit of a chill. But there was something that was it, I felt like that should have been more impactful than it was. Um, so, so I, yeah, it's just my opinion. I, I, I think when I struggle with the story all the way through, it's got to be kind of really solid. It's got to be really solid for me to look back on it favorably. Mm, yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not quite sure it was. So um, you said there was a better way to spend ten hours. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're gonna talk about. It. So I do have a couple of gripes with Silo, um, some more serious than others. This one that comes up is, um, it, it seems to be a problem with with this genre, with the genre of uh, of the utopia dystopia, which 
it annoys me when people call it the utopia dystopia it's a dystopia it's that simple um but it comes up with this with the, the concept of a dystopia all the time which is that the world building is kind of weak mm. so you know you, they use you, you, the concepts is you set up a fictional society it's science fiction in that sense um, which is why this this is a subgenre of science fiction um, and you set up a society and you portray it as potentially ideal or you know you, it works it functions in itself but then you it's different to our own of course and then you through the eyes of one individual through through, through the story of one character you display or you put on show the problems with that society and that invites comparison with our own and that's kind of the entire point that's the political and social commentary that's inherent in this genre Utopia did it really really well there's, there's a TV series I think it was BBC it was Channel 4 Channel 4 that did it was years ago it was, it was years, years ago. ago a TV series called Utopia that was set in our society yeah. and it was, there was a dystopic idea that was clever because it, a lot of the time in this genre when the protagonist Nichols in this for example actually confronts the judicial at the end the bad guys let's say have an opportunity to kind of confront the protagonist and explain their actions and what in the audience learns the motivation of the antagonist and in that moment a lot of the times the time in a dystopia the bad guy's got a point <laughs> which i quite like that's always that's always a really interesting thing to explain like uh, to explore because you you're invested with the plight of the protagonist and at the end you're like oh no i kind of understand actually why this government ended up corrupt or or did resort to these extreme tactics because what they had on the line was really extreme like what's in the other silos you know Maybe there's a really genuine reason why they couldn't let anyone out. So I always find that kind of interesting. But the problem is the world building. And I think it's because in these in a dystopia story, the focus is the story so much, which is why I like it, because I'm story focused. But when the world building's weak, I don't buy the story as much. Um, and so I think if you're gonna if you're gonna have ten hours, spend a lot of time really like bring to life the world of the silo the society in the silo it was done quite well but nowhere near as well as it should have been and the world building it did do relied on exposition exactly the same problem that Snowpiercer had like the, the, the society within the train and the difference between the, the back and the front and all that like it was kind of told to us through characters telling other characters stories and stuff rather than shown we weren't allowed to try and figure it out through what we were watching um, an example is you know when um Mayor Johns and um, and Deputy uh, Johns, I think it is Johns and Mans, isn't it? <laughs> um, they're walking the silo. They're travelling down all the steps, you know, miles or whatever, long distance. And one of the waters gets poisoned. Mans is killed with the poison. Sorry, Johns is killed <laughs> because they poison the water bottle, but the judicial have poisoned the wrong water bottle, and they they say, "Oh, you know, you've no, you can tell you've never walked the silo because if you had, you'd know that you drink from the water of the person in front's back rather than your own because it's easier to reach." And it's like that's a cool detail that brings the world to life. Little things like that, like behavior traits that are common in a society, but you told us about it instead of showing it us, and then there's a flashback scene to them doing it later on. And it's really annoying because that scene should have come first. Show people doing that. Show like and let us figure out that that's what that that's how people behave. Yeah. Then refer to it later. You yeah. Know? Um, and that's just a really like that's just a specific instance and a detail that I can pick out to explain this. But like, it's present throughout. There's no explanation of 
you know, like, why are people all dressed and kind of the same, like, or not all dressed kind of the same? Like, why are people, explain why and where these people are getting their clothes from? Like, that, you know, small detail. Don't tell us, just show us. Yeah. So people making, you know, like, explain, you know, show us stuff to explain why this society functions in the way it does. So then I can believe in it more and then I'm more invested in the story. Mm. There you go. That is going to bring us on to um, something else in a second, but you did remind me of something I really hated. And it's something I hate. I think it's probably my biggest problem uh, in storytelling. And it's, I think, it's when something is inserted in the middle of a story to attempt to develop the story or add drama. Mm. Like, almost out of nowhere. And, And in this case, it was the syndrome. The, yeah, there was no reference of the syndrome until it was a until it was convenient to reference the syndrome. Yeah, and create an angle from it. And for me, that is just not okay. Now, I, again, I understand that uh, deputy sheriff was trying to hide mm. Billings. Billings was trying to hide his uh, problem from uh, from everyone else, but it didn't need to hide from screen. And it it just felt so convenient that you know, uh, Juliet Nichols needed to have something on Billings yeah. midway through the season. Well, and, I, and, I, and lots of TV series do this. When I think they're running about, they've either run out of ideas while, while being written. Well, I think that's the only explanation, yeah. <laughs> actually. Well, it annoys me because it could be used really effectively and all that it would have needed to have done has been referred to a couple of times before the reveal, you know? So, so you know, like... <laughs> Everybody, I think a good thing to think about when you're thinking about how to avoid exposition is gossip. Come into when you're writing, come into a scene mid scene, and that's what that's why I want to do as an audience. I want to, I don't want like, the, I don't want to see two characters walk into a room and greet each other. Like, yeah. give me the big, give me the middle. Like, let me just, you know, I, I've walked in and these two people are already talking, and I have to make sense of what they're talking about by inferring from cues. So, like, just have the concept of the syndrome thrown into conversation between two characters with no explanation to the audience that's the thing it's like because you know when you when with shows like silo it feels like you know there's two characters talking to each other and then you know like you and i are talking now and then i say oh the syndrome and then you lean to the camera and go by the way what that is is and explain it do you know what i mean like yeah don't do that let me believe in the world by mm. showing two people just talking about the syndrome mm. and let me have no idea what it is mm. until later on you, you know, or you can infer enough to know it's bad. You don't want to have the syndrome. I, I don't on, really know how bad it is, to be honest. Well, because, yeah. I mean, look, he could have dropped his baby in episode two and that would just be completely unexplained. Or he could, you know, b- because episode six, seven, eight, and nine, he dropped things every episode. I mean, to be fair, it wasn't in the show till like episode four, but yeah, <laughs> that's a take point. Okay, all right, that's fair. Well, someone else could have dropped a baby early on in the seasons, you know, or someone else could have died of, died of it. Or, just have it referred to. Just have somebody yeah. drop something and someone else say, oh, it's like you got the syndrome. Yeah. And that's it, no explanation. And for us to be yeah. like, what? But yeah. it's just inserted into the world. You cannot so you know chuck it, it in at episode six and expect me to... to Care, be- yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, or, or believe in it as well. Yeah, it's frustrating. And this is this is the world building thing. While we're on the subject of um, of bad world building or things that took me out of the, uh, well, prevented me from being immersed, um, accents. <laughs> Snowpiercer did it really badly because there was a character, uh, I, I don't remember it well enough, I really should. Uh, there's a character, like, the character who represented the authority 
in um on the train who would come down and speak to the lower classes at the tail end and stuff she was a brilliant character like really really scary really well done but she had this thick yorkshire accent in a way that she could only have if she was born and raised in yorkshire and it's like it was cool because i get it it's diverse there's lots of different people on the train like people but how were you born and raised on the train you've got a yorkshire accent now, <laughs> now presumably she wasn't she came onto the train afterwards but you know like it's, it's stuff it's little things like that where it's like surely it would it wouldn't be still that thing anyway <laughs> that, that's a different show common playing sims has a chicago accent throughout the, i mean it's not that thick it's his normal voice but he has i mean he's been in the silo 140 years he was born in it right how's he got that accent and how does it differ so much from so many other characters yeah I okay well that didn't take me out of the story but it might, might in the future now <laughs> uh, yeah I, I think um, that's a much more minor point I will add. I'm just not yeah, that deep but. yeah I, I think it's I'm, I'm not I'm, they, they didn't try and do anything I'm not going to come here and say oh well you know you interpret what you hear and you form your own accent and but that is definitely not what this show did no. or tried to do um and yeah, I mean, I mean, it's just an, another oversight. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I liked the episode, so it stood out because it was kind of irrelevant, but it worked for me because it did suit the world building. And that was the episode quite early on where you saw Juliet Nichols and her engineer pals down at the bottom working on the engine. You know, they had to like fix the engine before it blew it up. Fix the generator. Really, yeah. yeah, the generator. Yeah, that was a really tense episode, and it was. I mean, it was kind of like I really enjoyed that episode. It was, it was tense, as I say, but like it was kind of out of place it, that it definitely was nothing to do with the with the wider story just explaining how the generator worked but it did I mean that's one of the only things that like spoke to Juliet Nichols character yeah well like, explained it, her. It, it, it developed her character and she had to go back down there for she had to finish a she had to finish a job that's what it was she, uh, before yeah, she became yeah. sheriff she, she had to yeah. finish that job which um, yeah and you're right it was tense and it and I thought from I thought from that point on, that's that was the kind of show we were going to get because I think it was the third episode. Um, think speaking of the third episode, I remember messaging you at the time, the end of the second episode where she's like at the bottom. Yeah, of the so road. this is my yeah, my final. I've got a little my little list of uh, gripes. My final one is how did she get off the rope? <laughs> Well, she like, just climbed back up like it was nothing. <laughs> episode two, she climbed sixty feet down a rope. She's looking down at like over water that she's never obviously she's never seen water she, of that of that amount. Like she lives in a silo. Like there's no water. There's no bodies of water. She, she can't swim. Yeah. So this is a tense situation for her. And then and then episode the episode ends and you're like, oh my god, how is she getting out of that situation? And episode three, she's at the top of the rope. <laughs> start of episode three. Okay, well she did it. No problem. Like. What kind of training <laughs> is she doing to be able to climb sixty foot rope with no practice? Once, I, ju- I just think when your life's on the line, like do you know what I mean, and it's not, and that, not even break a sweat. I feel like you've you've left, you've got a cliffhanger at the end of episode two. I don't think that even works on a, on a on a weekly basis. I feel like I come back next week and go, how the hell did you climb up that? But you're when you're on a streaming service. And it goes straight into it. And it, it just goes straight into it. Oh, yeah, she was fine. Yeah. 
I, like, you know, well, that I really took is, me out of it. It was strange because it was like an act, they kind of lulled us into a, a cliffhanger accidentally. I don't. I think we were supposed to think like the the big reveal at the end of episode two was that, or whichever episode it was, that there was just that body of water there, and she was like, mm. oh, I'm I'm stuck because I can't swim. I don't think we were think, supposed to think how is she going to get off that rope. I think that's just both you and me being like. I wouldn't want to be in that position. <laughs> like, uh, so I don't think, I mean, maybe that's just another thing that's a little bit unbelievable. Like, I guess the writers just assumed that we'd all buy she could climb the rope. Maybe she can, like, you know, yeah. but I don't know. I wouldn't want to have to do that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they did it again later on in the season. Um, and when she jumps off the stairs. When she jumps off the stairs. <laughs> and she just, and she just lands it and gets up. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. So, you know, I thought, wow, how far has she fallen? Did she jump into the water she knew was there yeah. from back, you know, back in the day? No, she jumped off one flight of stairs, <laughs> landed quite badly, and uh, then just carried on the next episode. Yeah, that. I mean, I've never seen cliffhangers quite so poorly oh. done, but uh, <laughs> yeah, so I'll, I'll give Sila that. <laughs> <laughs> on the topic of world building. As I was scanning through the comments looking for a consensus, I found one that I, th- I thought was really interesting. Um, and the tagline or the heading is interesting dystopian thriller, flawed world building. And this mm. suggests some ways where, um, you know, they could have built the world out a little bit better. So this show had so much potential in imagining a silo with a small population secret powers controlling behavior, limited resources in space. The flaws and missed opportunities are too many to really enjoy the show though. Beer in beer bottles, graffiti made with chalk where it never rains, also where's the chalk from, people behaving almost normally despite being deprived from natural light, space, air, no special illnesses or psychosis, some some sort of vague syndrome, not developed as a topic, we've touched on that, Funerals with corpses put into the ground. Imagine the waste of space. Would have loved some form of body recycling. Eggs, hams, rats and rat poison. Why not explore this incredible world and daily life more? Stop to episode seven. I mean, I actually completely agree with that, yeah. I mean, I don't know why you want to see body recycling. That's a bit strange. Like, <laughs> But it would make sense. Oh, absolutely. But, the, but you don't have to explain absolutely everything aspect of the society and how it functions in order for me to believe it you know what I mean like yeah. I don't need to know where, where the bodies are going or whatever like you, there's stuff that you can just omit because your audience isn't thinking about but yeah I mean if you're gonna like that said if you're gonna put something in you do have to explain why it's there so I completely agree I hadn't thought about the graffiti at all didn't actually notice it to be honest um hadn't hadn't thought about the beer in bottles at all that's a really good point like there's a lot that they've put in and just not explained how it's got there and why it's there um I just think there was just so little focus on world building and all of it all of the all of the world building that was there was done through exposition so yeah I mean I completely agree with that comment I think it's just a, you know, the, the concept was really cool the concept was sick they just didn't expand on it and they missed a lot of opportunities absolutely yeah so uh, generally this has been received really well um, we've just seen a comment here just about to give it up Glad I didn't. Eight out of ten. I, I, I think they maybe need to rebalance. You know, if you if you were going to give up a show, <laughs> what, at what point did you nearly give up? Like mid episode one. 
the comment reads here, luckily, at the last three episodes, the story picked up pace again. <laughs> yeah. So, so actually, like the, the previous comment, this person was ready to switch it off at episode seven. So, um, yeah, but generally quite well received. I think people like that it's an original story. Um, people love dystopian thrillers. Yeah. Um, and, and, and so do I. I would, I would maybe like to see more focus out of dystopian stories maybe on the political element um, the dictatorship element as a you know <clears throat> as a more the you know someone building the motives yeah I know what you mean yeah you know or you know someone going through that journey of, of those beliefs being formed and then maybe being more repressive than, than any cool other leader idea. before, like kind that's of thing. That's quite a cool idea. Um, yeah, I do. I mean, I think that's kind of spoiler warning for, for Snowpiercer here. <laughs> but I think that's kind of how Snowpiercer runs. I think the protagonist that leads the uprising. Oh no, it's not how Snowpiercer runs. But it, but it sort of threatens for a minute to um, to end like that. Like the, the protagonist who leads the uprising overthrows the corrupt governing body of the train, but then has to take its place. And becomes the um, becomes the kind of tyrant. Mm. Has to like then feel it like understands the the ramifications of what he's actually done in overthrowing that government and then having to take its place. I can't remember how Snowpiercer ends. So kind of that kind of happens in um, the Hunger Games though. <laughs> yes, yeah. sort of on a loose. And I think that's I, I guess that is something that's kind of explored sometimes. I think it would be really interesting to to um, Explore a dystopia where your protagonist, who's revealing the, the flaws in the in the in the society, and fighting against them, actually becomes the problem. Like in trying to fix it, he yeah. then become or she becomes the tyrant. And yeah, I, I like kind of what you're saying. I like the idea of exploring a character's rise to the position of of the character of like Sims in mm. in, in this. Do you know the space for Billings in this to do that though? In the, season yeah, two. there is because actually. there was and. Uh, as uh, as wrestling fans would uh, phrase it, there was a heel turn from him when he burnt the book. Yeah, that's when he, it. When he burnt the that's a motif of the Georgia uh, trip to Georgia for kids, and but and but kept one page. one page. That was a bit like, oh, okay, so you're you're willing to hide the truth, like the guy that's meant to stick by the rules, kind of thing, mm. and you know. He was go willing to go so far to hide probably the only piece of evidence that's left, but keep a little bit behind for himself for leverage. Well, maybe he was, yeah, or maybe he was making. I guess you could argue he was making it easier to hide for himself by like reducing the amount of it or something. But yeah, no, I think. But but it's definitely if if the story comes back to focusing on that silo again, it's definitely something I would like to see revisited. Um, It's a motif of the genre as well that book burning. <laughs> so I mean, I guess it's kind of a, an indirect reference to uh, Fahrenheit four five one as well. Okay. But yeah. We're gonna end this podcast a little bit differently on actually quite a significant concept, um, and that is actually the main protagonist of Silo. You didn't like it. You didn't like Juliet Nichols at all. Nah. Uh, I thought. Uh, yeah. No, I didn't. I thought Juliet Nichols was a really, really boring protagonist. Maybe that's why I found the whole show boring. Maybe, but, um, yeah. Exp- you know, explore that a little bit more. What well, is it? Bad actor? Is it bad writing? I don't think it's bad actor. I think she's quite. She's acted quite well. Now, Rebecca Ferguson does a really good job. 
I think the acting generally, like across the board, is um is pretty high in in silo. Like I'm maybe not common, but <laughs> but um but everybody else like did a pretty good job. And I think Rebecca Ferguson does a really good job. Um, I just think the character was boring. Like the character was so. I mean, take her out and put anybody else in there, and the story doesn't change. She wasn't integral to the story of the of. Well, well, to her own story in a way. She could have just been anybody. Yeah, I, I think there's certain traits. She, I mean, I, I mean, Juliette Nichols was a very ordinary person, and I, and I think that was maybe the point. You know, like someone extremely ordinary having to take on a mate like this major responsibility. Yeah, but but I think I mean, there's ordinary. And then there's like boring, bland. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. Like you know, Harry Potter. To use a crap example, Harry Potter is a very ordinary boy, right? And then obviously, he he experiences the wizarding world through the eyes of somebody that you can relate to because he's very normal, right? Yeah. So in that sense, yeah, I get it. Like it's supposed to be a normal person, but she was so like void of identity. I think mm. like the whole like her being an engineer and or. or in uh, working on the generator and being really good at a job, that was that was there. Like, that's cool. And then there's obviously the stuff with her with her father and like family background, but it, but it doesn't tie into who she is now. Mm. She didn't really have like a strong identity. I couldn't predict how she was going to react in, in in like if I imagined a situation, I couldn't predict how that character would react because mm. she's just like there's nothing to indicate. I I think as well like there there was this oh I'm an awful sheriff I'm an awful sheriff but like any sh- detective show she actually worked out the clues really well so like, yeah, yeah, like yeah. Is, is she is she an inexperienced mechanic that should be making loads of mistakes on the job or is she natural and it was sure. almost like you know it was almost like they couldn't pick a side yeah, I think yeah, they should have yeah. picked a side I think she either should have been a really awful detective that just really made loads of mistakes and just almost stumbled or like the deputy kind of carried her along yeah. or because of her kind of because of the the skills as an engineer she was really good at you know process and elimination and things like that and mm. I, but I felt like it was like she works everything out but everyone still kind of kind of called her bad at a job which well, which, yeah, which, I mean, which for me again, in a way though, leads into that confusion her job wasn't actually to overthrow the you know was it like but it's it's that thing where she's just the protagonist it's it's going to go well for like like you know she she makes all the right moves and that she's betrayed and they, my problem was that she was just identityless mm, and yeah. you could have, you could have tied an identity to the story and i think what you're saying is a good example of how she could have you know like her background as a as a mechanic or whatever she was fixing the generator like could have somehow had some relevancy to how she moved around the silo or how she adapted to the role of being a sheriff mm-hmm. um or, and, or how she approached like figuring out an outmaneuver in the judiciary and the bad guys and stuff like but she, it's just she didn't do any of that she's just Juliet Nichols she's just there kind of tough kind of like not really afraid of anything but like that's sort of it and I actually much preferred Holston and Alison 
yeah. as protagonists in the beginning. And because I didn't know anything about this before going into it, this is one where you just messaged me like, Silo, Apple TV, and I was like, cool. Didn't watch trailer or anything, just started watching it. Um, I didn't know who the protagonist was going to be. So yeah. I actually, until the sort of second episode or whatever, I was completely convinced it was going to be Holston throughout. And then he goes outside and the, and the mantle is passed to Juliet. And you, that was a bit of a surprise because I thought she was a tertiary character and not, and then she became the protagonist. Yeah. So it was, I guess if I'd known that she was, had like seen a poster or anything about the movie beforehand and it's her face and I'd, I maybe would have known and it then You would have expected it, yeah. But I you think, should, yeah. You shouldn't have to, that's not how you should consume it though. You shouldn't have to be like, oh, there's the poster girl. Yeah. So yeah. that's who I'm waiting for. Well, I try, I intentionally try to like know as little as possible yeah. about things when I go into it. Um, I feel like I just I, I enjoy it more that way yeah. but um, yeah like what should have happened is once Holston went outside and the, the role of the protagonist was passed to um, to Juliet like she should have come into the role and I should have felt like there's no one else that could have done that mm-hmm. there's no other character that, that would have fit the story like that It that didn't happen she kind of paled in comparison to how invested I was with Holston and, yeah. and his like losing his wife going outside when Alison leaves like and that whole thing, like I thought, those characters were great, and then Juliet is just a sort of generic protagonist. I mm. think. Yeah, I don't know. It's just just a bit more intensity would have been interesting, and I think you could have tied it into um, the story in a more effective way. It helped with world building. Comes back to that comment that you read a minute ago. Um, the be like really cool idea, just tons of missed on opportunities. Yeah. yeah. Develop the idea further. Well, there's scope in season two, maybe. But will we be tuning in for season two? I think I probably um, would. <laughs> I want to know what happens. That door in the bottom of the silo, that's got to be like another way into one of the other silos. They're all going to link up. See, you see, if you can, like, if I can say stuff like that, like, I'm, I'm already, I can tell I'm already excited about it. You know, I want to know. Even if yeah. it's trash, the ideas in it are kind of interesting. Like, and I'm hooked on finding out. We'll see, won't we? Because it's going to be a multiple season show. And I, I did ask you a few weeks ago, like, you know, maybe this is one of those series that in five seasons time, everyone's talking about. I mean, you said probably not. But like, <laughs> you know, five seasons time and it's the season finale. Maybe everyone's talking about it and, and we've called it early. But I think I'd be surprised if it went that far. Uh, yeah, I, I I, I, would, I would say the same there's lots they can do with it and, and I think in dystopian universes I think there is a lot a lot of places you can go with a story yeah definitely um, I think it's so cool as well when like you start small like imagine if it did go five seasons time and you've got a character Julia or whatever if, I don't know some future version like maybe it's generations down the line or something and we're exploring this world outside of the silos and like and all of the silos and the world's I don't know I don't know how I don't know what it'd look like and how it would work, but it'd be so cool to reach a scale like that and think back to the start where you were just in one with one character in one silo and you had no idea how large the outside world was. Yeah, you know I think like when you can track progression like yeah, that. Yeah, I see it. It's really interesting. Okay, so I've got an idea. Why don't you give me how you would like season two to go, or do you want me to go first? <laughs> yeah, no, you go first. Okay, <laughs> so. What I would like to see is one of those IT guys that saw yeah, the yeah. imaging 
I would like the story to be with, with them at the start of season two where they, they just cannot forget what they saw and the story develops from there you've got Billings who is a focal point as well regarding the fact that he you know burnt the book and has one sheet left I think he's going to try I would like to see him towards the end of season two try and cash in on something major the fact that he's still got that bit of paper um, but yeah I'd love to see the start of season two um, one of those IT technicians really really fighting with the fact of what yeah. they saw and wanting to find out how they could like get access to that footage again and I know it's a bit more oh let's get access to the footage but I feel like there's there's definitely somewhere they can go where someone was in that room they saw the truth and it just and it, and it just can't escape them as the as the mayor demanded it to you must unsee what you just saw yeah and someone just not being able to I, I mean yeah that's definitely an aspect I mean I want to see what's outside the silos though you know like my it kind of surprises me that you say that because I think the one place that I don't want this the next season to go is back into the fucking silo but I'm not sure I want to follow Juliet Nichols outside the silo <laughs> yeah maybe yeah that's a good that's a very good point yeah um, don't trap me just with her like <laughs> yeah I mean because like, you, if you've got to do 10 episodes with her wandering the wilderness and it's just her there's no one else out there like. yeah I, I really want to see um, if Holston and Alison are still alive because that was left quite unclear. Yeah. Like, you don't you, you don't see the bodies when the... You know, are the bodies animated for the screen inside the silo? Or, or are they really there? Like, I, I don't know. Did they really die? Is it the case that Nichols... Juliet Nichols is out there completely on her own? Like, she's not going to die. She's not... She's survived the poison or whatever. Or, or proven that the poison doesn't exist or is inside the suit or whatever the case is. But is she on her own? Like, mm. is that it? Is she just the only person outside the silos my other thing is if wait, oh so I'm just sorry it just occurred to me if the other silos have a camera that's actually showing the real world she would just walk in front of them well, yeah that's interesting the, the other thing that I'm thinking is if those people are surviving why aren't they coming back to try and oh that's a very good point yeah and why haven't they just walked in front of the camera of another silo because maybe that's why it's imperative that that they don't that the people that leave don't survive or get away too far away from the silo because if they are caught on the camera from the other silo provided the other silo is designed in the same way and also has a camera and a display on the inside then that would reveal to everybody in all of the other silos that like there's people out there or somebody can survive which would then cause an uprising in every single silo which I think would be a really cool direction for the for season 2 to go I think Things need to be clarified. Yeah. With Hol are Holston and Allison still alive? If not, did they die on that hill? Mm. And where are the bodies? Mm. Um, and you you gave a, a, a horizon with a city. Mm. So are we going to the city? And is it going to be called Silo anymore? Because because <laughs> <laughs> they're outside of the silo. Because <laughs> the the silo is that. But yeah, I, I, my one thing is like, if people are still alive, why aren't they coming back to try and yeah, like, that's very good help point. people out? Um, I guess mm. all will be revealed in season two. 